welcome ghouls and ghosts, goblins and mischief makers to a very special duo building. Uh, I'm joined this week by Martin. Brains! Uh, yes, we are short staffed this week, big time, and I figured with Halloween this week, and being a huge fan of Halloween on the website, we would do something, we, I, I, we would talk about horror video games. I'm sure we've talked about them before, but I don't think we've ever had an episode dedicated to them. And for the sake of this podcast, and Martin will be better served to give you an explanation, we aren't just talking about horror video games, not just like, oh yeah, you know, Resident Evil's. D1, that's good, and this Dino Christ. We're actually going to talk about the element of control in horror video games and what it adds and takes away from the experience. Hmm. Yep. So do you want to kick us off with that and give us a better explanation? Yeah, sure. Um, now I'm trying to remember the name of the writer I'm thinking of, but someone said um, a long time ago, ho- horror films like um, are kind of like... Um, a roller coaster ride, right? You you go in, you expect to be scared, but you don't quite know what is going to happen, and you kind of, uh, at least in the movie, you are at the mercy of the movie. Maybe you can put your hand in front of your face, but you can't do much about it. And um, so you don't basically don't really have a lot of control over your experience during it, and. Um, the the thing which also connects into horror is horror horror itself is often about like um the loss of control right losing control over your body or your mind i mean it's a huge losing control of your mind is a huge part of what h p lovecraft writing is about or um losing control in general over yourself i mean even simple things like the Wolfman, right? The werewolf is turning to werewolf is losing control over yourself. So, when I um, wrote my... Actually, that was my... What was it? My, my bachelor thesis. When I wrote that, I actually had a part in it about... Um, it was about the aesthetics of horror in video games, but um, one huge part of it was uh, actually controls. And because I thought... Um, this aspect of losing control is kind of interesting in the concept of video games, because what you can do in video games um, that you can't do in any other medium is actually take control away from a player. I'm sure most people have experienced that at some point, that the game just takes control away from you. I, I would also say, and I assume you get to this, it's not, it's not necessarily always just taking control away, but it's also eliminating control options you have. Yeah, uh, I mean, t- taking control from someone can can have, like, multiple different avenues, right? There's, like, the literal taking control of you of, from you away, like, you can't do anything anymore. Uh, for example, it could be limited in some way. Maybe you can no longer do a specific action, or uh, your actions seem to be hindered in, in, in some way. You can no longer perform when them in the way you could previously or um, it could not even be like the little controls it could also be like um, stuff that maybe plays with your vision which in some way because you games are also audio visual right if, if you take one of these senses away from you 
but also in, in, in off, quite often can actually impact um, how you how much control you have over your experience, right? If if you cannot really see right, it's it's hard to do something. And, and and to be fair, that's also a trick of cinema. I mean, this is why yeah. most horror films take place at night in some foggy, dense forest because it, it's it's a claustrophobic feel in that you can't see anything. So it makes everything more frightening because you don't know what's a, what's up ahead or even what's behind you. Exactly, exactly. And and, and I think that's why uh, this this feeling of control is is very important in in in, in horror in general. And I also think in um, horror video games, and, I, and personally, I just think there are a couple of like really interesting examples in video games and in, in how they deal with uh, controls or loss of control in 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 them. I don't know. I, I'm just going to ask you if if you something comes to your mind when you think of horror video game, maybe losing control, and then maybe see if if you have something that I didn't think about or. Well, I mean, most of Maybe them. I figure with something I have on mind. I mean, most of them. I think you probably have noted. I mean, the, the example that comes to mind more is not just using control, but it's also changing characters. It's Resident Evil Four, where you control Ashley for certain segments, and she doesn't mm. have the combat skills that uh, Leon has. So it's like you yeah. get to build up your character over the course of the game, and instead of say pulling a Metroid and make okay, we're going to take away your abilities. We're just going to give you a different character who has none of those abilities. So it becomes more a game of hide-and-seek than it does, okay, how can I take this person out as efficiently as possible? Yeah, but it still has, although they give you a different character, it still has, like, the same effect of now you're no longer able to perform these actions you were able to perform before. So now the whole situation is different for you, quite possibly more frightening. Because you're yeah. you're way more vulnerable at that point, and especially being that it was a game that built you. Because even at the start, Leon wasn't well equipped, but you get you get all manners of weapons throughout the course of the game. And yeah. it's like, yeah, now we're just going to have you do a different challenge. And along the same lines, and I mean, they are supposed to take control away from you. That's the point of the genre. But real shooters, stuff like House of the Dead and Resident yeah. Evil, because you have a ton of ammo and weapons, so you're not defenseless in that regard. Your defense is in what you can attack because you have a limited, you have a limited amount of time to react, but you also have a limited field of vision. And again, like horror films, I mean, we've all seen the scene where like, the person's walking down the hallway and somebody's behind them, but they don't turn around. And it's the same thing where it's like, okay, I know this monster's going to pop up from the side of the screen, but I can't do anything until it's time for that monster to show up. That's also something interesting you just mentioned with the off-screen space playing a role. Uh, which is something video games can play with actually way more in, in, in than maybe even movies can in some sense because you know um, maybe you have seen some movies that try to be in first person or the POV from from uh, the protagonist right Qu- quite a lot of movies do that for a short time but there are not a lot of movies that do that as the whole concept of the film. I mean, they have been some early experiments and stuff, but it never quite works, right? Yeah. And I think part of that, just to kind of bounce off of that, is that in video games, a lot of it is you want to step into the shoes of the character, where so much of movies are driven by the characters that you don't want to be that character. 
Um, I, I'm just kind of going as an example. I saw a movie this year called Maniac, which is shot entirely in the first person, and it stars Aisha Wood. But in the, you have to see the character. So what they would do is like they, he would talk to himself in the mirror, or he'll mm-hmm. see a reflection in a car or something, just so you get an idea of what the main character looks like. And video games don't necessarily have that same trick. Because and, you and, want the, to... and the other movie I, for example, saw was FPS this year, which was actually a play on the first-person shooter. And what that movie does to contextualize it first-person is to basically say, hey, this is like a video game. It even has like on-screen health and stuff. It basically is a first-person shooter as a movie. I, I'm going to have to check that out. But uh, yeah, but continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the interesting thing about video games is in first person is um, what it helps you create is, I mean, one of the big parts is also the jump scare, right? It's a big part of horror. And, and, and what um, the jump scare quite often works with the off-screen space, which is a problem in, in, in video games since you have total control over your camera. But it also enables you... It also makes possible for other opportunities, like let's say in Amnesia of a Dark Descent, which has the conceit of you are not allowed to look at the enemies because then you become insane and completely lose control, right? Or at least you don't lose complete control, you lose a lot of your control. You can then, if you look too long at them, you get insane and then you just breathe heavily and can only crawl around and your vision is tilted and stuff like that. But, so you want to look away from the enemies. But, but what's interesting about that is as soon as you have to look away from them, you basically create that off-screen space that movies um, create deliberately from, from a director's center. You create that off-screen space yourself because you try to keep those enemies away out of your sight. Which then means you, you create the space in which that monster can be at any moment. Um, and and it's especially scary when you hear it just, just being close to you and you're not sure if, if it's going to come and attack you and maybe it has hurt you. And then if it comes into your view because it actually did hear you, then it still works at an, as a jump scare. Because I think uh, quite often um, jump scares in video games are hard to do because of that. Uh, this, this total control you have most of the time. Uh, I, 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 and, and to that point, and this is something that I'm sure, I don't know if you necessarily go through, but I sometimes go through with horror games. It's like with movies, you can kind of tell when they're building up to something, the music changes, mm-hmm. it's slower, it's been quiet for a while. With video games, because you have so much, you tend to have so much control, a lot of times like, you can go back, you can kind of yep. take your time, you can pause the game. So it does. Maybe, it, it, maybe you even look in a complete different direction that was for you to meant to in that moment for all that jump scare to work. Yeah. I mean, uh, we we mentioned uh, we mentioned the taking away controls, and I think one of the one of the more recent examples that were kind of curious was uh, Zombie U, which a lot of people kind of praised because part of the game was that it didn't pause; you were always on. It's like when you had to go through inventory, you had to take it up. You you really had to go through inventory while the game was still continuing. Yeah. And people were kind of curious how that would transition when you didn't have the second screen. And again, that's an element of. Not necessarily taking control away from you. You still have. You can still do what you need to do, but in order for you to actually manage stuff, you have to take your eyes away, or you know you have to be quick on the draw in order to get that stuff out. 
it, it basically what taking controls away also means is creating this feeling of vulnerability in the player. It's also why control is so important. If you have absolute control, there's really nothing to be afraid of. Well, I think I I I am kind of I, and I I guess that you know this is kind of what happens with the Resident Evil franchise as it goes on and on because by the time you get to five, it's more of an action series than it is a horror franchise. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there are ways to kind of create horror in a game where you have maximum control if oh, you do for, it for, well. for sure. I'm I'm just thinking it it it's possible to enhance it in in, in ways that in, in that way. But you can continue. Um, I, I, I mean, I, t- t- the one that comes to mind a lot to me is Metroid Prime. I think mm. it does a great job of building. I, I guess to me, it's less of a jump scare and that's more atmospheric. It's more kind of like one of those horror films where it's like, what's going to happen when I open this door? Mm. And you know, later on in the game, which freaks me out, it's like they introduce ghosts, and the concept sure. there is that like you have the ability to see the ghosts, but you can only see them in certain states, which means that you. They can still jump surprise you if you're not in, the, and you're not going to be in this state all the time. You're not going to have your thermal vision on at all times because it makes no sense because then you miss out on other stuff. So, it, but it I would say that's definitely a different type of horror because that in, at that point when there is no, mm, let's say, direct threat to you. Oh yeah, and I, and, I, and I think that was going to be something I get to later. It's because a lot of video games tend to mimic what we tend to call like the Shasher genre. They tend to, you know, the jump scares, the big scary monsters, the the, the sense of hopelessness. But there are a lot of different styles of horror. Those, the Shasher tends to be the one we think of most. I mean, even though it predates the film, I think man, something like Manhunt is kind of the pre- predecessor to stuff like Saw and Hostel. Mm. Where <laughs> it's about maximizing damage as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was also going to ask you, because I didn't even know this was a game. Have you ever played this thing? Yes, I actually have. How is that? It's an, it's more of an interesting game than a good game, let's <laughs> say it that way. Um, it's not bad, but it definitely had interesting concepts in it. Like, we definitely play with that idea of you not knowing if any one of your uh, partners is actually maybe the thing. So you might just give them weapons and ammunition and health packs and stuff and and carry on with them for quite a while. Then at some point, they just turn into a gruesome monster and try to kill you. Okay, see, that's what I was curious about because I think that that as a concept is really intriguing for a video game. Because imagine if you did that in like an online co-op game where like one of your teammates was infected and their job was just to get to the end without being detected. <laughs> oh, yeah. You... It's definitely an interesting concept. But the, the problem for, for thing video game back in the day was just the execution wasn't quite there. I think if you did that today, it could be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and just kind of on this subject, I know I'm just going all over the place, but another, oh, yeah. I, I was just, yeah, I said online multiplayer, and it made me think of Left 4 Dead, which is a horror game that gives you complete control, but what it does mm-hmm. is it does the thing... It does what most zombies d- d- movies does. It overwhelms you with numbers. Where like, you have resources, but you get overwhelmed by numbers. Although there are moments control gets taken away from you, even left for dead. When when the the weird liquor thing gets you in in his tongue, and you can't do anything about it. Or the... the what is it called? The big bulky guy 
get tanked. And then it just slams you into the ground. And you can do anything and stuff. Or, you, or maybe you're wounded and you, you're lying uh, on the street and have to fend off what you can. So even there, it plays with loss of control. It might not be extreme examples like some other games do, but there are moments. No, and I, and, and I think, and I think to your point, and this is something that we haven't talked about, it's not necessarily a complete loss of control, but the idea that you have to depend on others to survive because you yeah. can't really excel that game. Like you can't just run out ahead of people because, like you said, if you get incapacitated, you need people to come rescue you. Mm-hmm. And that sense of helplessness where it's like, I, I can do well, <laughs> but everybody else has to be there with me or I'm... And, or I'm going to have to, or get the last person, and you have to somehow rescue three people before you, the game's over. It gives you a different sense of control because you're not, you can't complete that game on your own without taking over everybody else. Yeah, totally. Um, one super interesting example, I think, is actually Bioshock. Can you figure out what I am thinking? I, I, well, I, I, my, the first thing that comes to mind is the whole, like, not film the war, but the whole kind of desolated, you know, like, finding out this new society and kind of exploring it for the first time and not really knowing what to expect. I'm actually thinking about the end. Do you remember when it was like, um, when, when at the end, um, you basically, you had the whole game, you basically had control, right? You, you did whatever you had to do to, get through all this stuff. Control was, if I remember correctly, never really taken away from you. And then, at, at the end, they had this whole thing of, would you kindly? And then you ha- uh, even they had this thing of uh, the game taking control away from you and you just did what the guy told you to do. Right? Yeah. Okay. That moment is in itself not necessarily horrific. But, but what I thought was interesting is, because... The, Bioshock is kind of a horror scenario, right? With all these creatures and stuff. What I think what was interesting is how that ending and how it taking literal control away from you then kind of recontextualizes uh, everything you did before. Because uh, um, not only does it do that on from a narrative perspective with like saying like oh it was all, all this time he said would you kindly to me and, and I had to do this and stuff like that it also kind of recontextualizes the decisions of a player did I ever did I actually ever make decisions in this game or did I just follow a script <laughs> um, did you see what I mean yeah, yeah did I actually I... ever have control while I played this that, that that made me think of another example that isn't necessarily horror, but um, what is that game called? The war game that everybody's always big on. Mm. That um, the, the I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name now, but it's the one where everybody's like, you know, like you go through the game and it's like, were you making like did you do these horrific things? But was that your decision, or was it was it character driven? Was it driven by the game, or were you going to do it anyhow? And I'm drawing a blank on that. But that's an interesting concept, again, where it's like... Well, I know what you're thinking about. Spec no, Ops. Yeah, Spec Ops, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and because that made, because I watched a film last year, and Jacob Shatter, where similar, where it's like, it's not necessarily horror, but it gets into the head of the character. And in yep. this case, it gets into the head of the player, 
like how much of what you did was driven by your own desire to do it and how much of it like do you yeah. just take the orders because you were given these orders and I say it's it's it, you know like I said before there's different types of horror and this is tends to be what they call the psychological thriller the ones that yeah. kind of goes inside the head of the character and the world may not be as black and white as it seems but it all comes back to our fears humans of losing control over ourselves yeah Yeah, it's a very, in some way, at least. In some way, and and you know, as we go through these examples, all I'm thinking it's like a lot of the best horror games. There is some element of hopelessness, some element of taking control, and I think we haven't touched on this. And I think one of my best examples is Eternal Darkness, yeah. because not only does it, it really takes control away from you, it, at it time. does, it, it does, <laughs> but it messes with you not just on a on a level of playing the game. But just the meta game, like corrupting your save files, turning yep. off your TV. Again, like, is it the game it, it, or is it, it, it me? It actually makes you not only lose control over your character at that moment. Like, for example, one of the often cited ones is when your TV turns blue and it just says, what does it say in the corner? I don't remember, AV or something? And, and and you basically can't see anything, which is, at this moment, it's taking control away from you, from the game, but at the same time, it suggests you that you maybe you also lost control over your own equipment. Yeah. At some like and, and I mean, as a gamer, I'm sure we've all had that fear. Like we're playing a game and our save file gets corrupted or the power goes out. And it's like, yeah, these are real fears. And it's like, yeah, we're gonna play with that. We're going to play with your expectations mm-hmm. and we're going to message you as much as possible. Like yeah, some of them are cheesy, like, you know, blood dripping off the walls. It's, you know, that's whatever. No, that's not horrible. all of them work as yeah. well, but I, I, I think what they tried to do was super interesting, and, and some of it worked really well. Like, for yeah. example, the blanking the screen, literally just taking control away for you, or you doing a spell and just exploding yourself. I think stuff like that worked really well in that game. Yeah, and I've always been sad that they've never done a proper follow-up to it. But yeah, just the idea of you can't trust your own senses... It's like the ultimate taken, taken. Because I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you saw. There's a video floating around on uh, Twitter and Facebook the, uh, this weekend where it's like some dude who has to like reach into a thing, but he's blindfolded and has headphones on, mm-hmm. and he's he's going to reach a teddy bear, but he doesn't know that. <laughs> so all he knows is like they told him he's going to have to touch something really like, creepy, mm. and he you can't see or hear it. So your mind just starts to make up the worst thing. And I guess what happens is like when he puts his hand on it, like the box isn't stable, so it starts to shake, and that freaks him out. And then he touches it, and he just like, he's screeching and screaming. And this is all in like 10 seconds. But mm-hmm. there is no greater trick in, in horror than your own mind. Like we are going to make up the worst case scenario in our heads. And I think that's what Eternal Darkness played with. It's like, what is the worst thing that can happen while playing a video game? <laughs> and Eternal Darkness is like, we're going to make that happen, but we're not going to tell you if it's real or fake until you freak out. Because nothing asks, it's not like you, it's, your screen goes through and it asks 10 minutes. It's a few seconds. Yep. But, in, <laughs> but that, those few seconds is all it needs. Yep. It immediately feels like an eternity. <laughs> Because because most people have experienced like technical difficulties like that, and no, they can just happen out of nowhere. <laughs> Assassin's Creed is the ultimate horror game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, um, like I said, this, this is why I thought control and horror is is like an important thing to 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 think about when when you think about horror and video games. And and as we have noticed, it happens in a lot of games. Um, yeah, in some I mean, different degrees, of course. I mean, I mean, well, just going go, just, just going back to the weekend. It, at sometimes it can be a frustration to the player because, and I was, I was, I was in this camps. Some of the earlier Resident Evil games, I, got, I, not, you know, had a fan because of the tank controls. Mm. But the reason you get tank controls is you don't want a mobile character. You want a character who you're going to have to really push to move because it again creates that sense of horror because it's like. Okay, this dog is gonna come. <laughs> Am I going to have enough time to turn, run, and react? Yeah. So, like, you know, when they introduce stuff like the quick ten eighty, the well, the one eighty turn, <laughs> or the or a quick, shot, it's like you know stuff like that. Like it gives the player more control and more urgency, but it does take away a sense of dread. Because, and you know, that is and that is kind of again, kind of going back to where the series eventually evolved too. That is eventually what you ended up with five and six, where it's like, okay, we're just going to be a straight up action game now. Yeah, kind of. I mean, there's still enough horror elements to probably call them horror games, but it definitely takes away something from the experience when when you are way more powerful and have less to worry about control wise, I guess. Yeah. So, um, are there any examples that we missed out? I know there was a few that you. Uh, no, nothing, nothing yet. No particular. I think we covered the most important, I, I guess, concepts in in losing control in horror games. Yeah, and I, I I'm curious to see how others play with it. And you know, there, I think you know, we what we mentioned, you know, limited mobility. Limited in your arsenal, which is one we haven't touched on, but that is you know something that happens often. Resident Evil, oh, yeah, sure. It. I, it's why it's called survival horror. Um, yeah. Limited in your field of vision, which is I think the easiest one to do. <laughs> yep. Um, which at the same time, like I said, can also impair your controls because if you see less, it's harder to do something. Yeah. Um, we we, we kind of mentioned. Oh, actually, we haven't touched touched on this much. We mentioned that for Dead, but we didn't haven't mer- actually mentioned. Given your enemies, well, human AI, like I think you know, one of the things with Left 4 Dead, as much as I enjoyed the game, was always the versus mode because human players tend to think differently. Mm-hmm. The monsters cooperate and they play together. And as a monster, you get a lot more information. You know where the players are at all time. Whereas a human, you don't have that information. So knowing that there's four people out there at any one time who are probably coordinating your doom. <laughs> and, and once you, you, you played Left 4 Dead as monsters, by the way, I think that mode is genius. Um, and I also played that quite a lot. Uh, is once you play the monsters, you actually think like a monster. You think about separating the players from each other. You think about actually taking players out of the equation. Like I said, lo- making them lose control by, for example, hey, I latched his tongue around this guy because he might be the most dangerous guy at this point or maybe we can easily separate him from the group, which then is probably going to panic like himself and um, then maybe they make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or, or you run people into a trap. You have the liquor. And then as somebody comes to rescue them, 
you have like the the, the hunter pounce on them. Yeah. And start, and you take them out one by one. And again, it's that like you know, with I mentioned this with the when you play the game, like you have to depend on other people. But it's even more horrifying because humans know how to separate you. So you don't want to, you don't, you never want to spit up too much. But you also need to spit up at times to, you know, scourge, you know, to, one to kind of speed up the process. But you also want supplies and stuff like that. And the best way yeah. to do that is usually to spit up into groups of two. And, and some objective objectives just require with you to split up. Yeah. And beyond that, you also have, and you, nobody controls this, and this is not on anybody's, but it's like yep. when you have a horde, like there are times, you know, like you get overwhelmed in numbers, but there are times where the game's like, okay, we're just going to trigger a random horde, and mm. it's like, crap. So that's not something any, any, any team can plan for, because a horde can also hurt the enemies, because like if a Yicker has you and someone, like a horde attacks you, you yeah. can actually break the tongue. Yeah. And stuff like that, and you give away location. So there's a lot of stuff that it it, it, it gives controls to both sides, not evenly, but it mm. gives control. And then it's like it adds elements of randomness where both teams are like, crap, we're screwed. I yep. have not played it, but Evolve has a similar thing, and I think the big difference with Evolve is that there's one creature. Yeah. And I think the big problem with that is not just that it's one creature, but the players do seem to be overpowered in how they deal with that creature. But they have for for that to actually work in in the horror senses uh that the human players just have way too many tools at their disposal. And it's too easy to actually know where the monster is, at least general direction because you have like trackers who can tell you where the monster is going and stuff like that. And 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 that's I feel like gives them in that sense too much control, and in, in that it actually works in in a horror game sense. At least I feel that way. Yeah, and I'm 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 kind of curious what happens with the um, the Friday the Thirteenth Kickstarter game right now because that's going for a similar thing. But if you play your cards right, seven on one does not have to be a disadvantage for the one person. Yeah, I, I'm mostly curious as to what tools and options they will give the um, people that will just play. I think what are they counselors in the camp? I think they said. Yeah. What will players? What 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 tools and 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 options they will give the counselors is is I think what will be important in in how well this whole thing will work out. You can't give them too much to to not diminish the threat of Jason. But you can also not give them too little to make the game uninteresting to play. Yeah, and it's a fair, it's a balance, and you also have to balance it so that okay, it it, it works seven on one. Does it work four on one? Does it work three on one? Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. Because you know, if the game is oh yeah, it's oh yeah, optimal and it's seven on one, like is that that automatically assumes that it has to have a thriving online community, and if it doesn't, you're kind of screwed. And that's a different type of horror because there's nothing worse than trying to play an online game <laughs> and nobody else is. <laughs> Especially when you need a lot of people for it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of any other examples of um, n- n- taking away control of say, urgency in horror games. Um, that we have mentioned. Um, I personally... I mean, it's maybe not the best example, but I think it was an interesting example was for Darkness. In in uh, the sense of, I mean, it, the taking control away from you mostly, I guess, happens during 
cutscenes, I would say. I mean, they're not really cutscenes because you still have some control mostly of, of your head movement. But um, at different points during the game, it, it plays with this uh, feeling of uh, someone else taking control over you, right? Um, you have that pivotal moment during which um, that mafia guy is uh, pushing your girlfriend's face to a glass door and holding a gun to her head. And, and at that moment, the darkness just takes over and holds you in place and you, you, you can do nothing about your girlfriend and, and him just shooting her. And um, they take that actually to the extreme in the darkness taking over through the uh, whole game and, and that you lose control more often and to more extremes. Like at the end, I don't know if you remember how, how the first game ended in like you, you basically had like blackouts. You had like these moments of total control of like just flinging mafiosi around and splitting them in half. And, and, and throwing black holes out, but then you just black out at moments, and, and you can't do nothing, and you don't really know what's happening, and until like at the end you confront the big bad. But at that point, you no longer know what the big bad is. Is the big bad the guy you've been hunting, or have you become yourself the big bad? Yeah. Um, and while you were talking about that, that made me think of another one that we kind of skipped over. And again, kind of going back to Resident Evil, I'm sure other horror franchises do this as well, is giving you an indestructible object. I think the big example is Resident Evil 3 with the Nemesis, where there's an enemy you just can't defeat. Like, hmm. All the tools the game has given you are pointless. So you can throw you know, rockets and all this other stuff at him, but it's just a force of nature that you... There's nothing you can do but run. That is actually interesting. I didn't even think about it. If if I had, I would probably have included that in my thesis. But that's actually a really good example of something that's that's a kind of different, a different way of approaching the loss of control. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I was just thinking because you mentioned like taking over, and and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what because you, you can't do anything with him. You can only run, and. Yeah. You know, again, if you combine that with like field division, like you could be running into a trap. You don't nece- you can run into a dead end. <laughs> like you don't necessarily know. You just know you have to run. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, you might still have your tools, but they become loose, useless, and because of that, it's basically just like the same as losing direct control over them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. That, that's cool. Yeah, right. Um, Resident Evil 3 is a good example. I'm trying to think if any other games did that. Uh, I think there's other games, and then eventually you'll figure out how to beat them at the end, but none of them comes to mind. I just know Nemesis. Because I was thinking of the tank, but you have enough tools to take out the tank. It takes a while, but yeah. you have enough tools to eventually take out the tank. Maybe cl- the Clock Tower series? Although you cannot, you cannot attack anyway in Clock Tower, so maybe not really. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like, I mean, I, again, I think, you know, there are games where like, you don't have much controls and you can't really attack. I think um, Silent Hill is actually, uh, what is it? Some of the Silent Hill games do that, where you can't really attack the mm. enemy. Can avoid oh, them. yeah, uh, the Pyramid Head, right? You cannot kill the Pyramid Head. Until the boss fight, I think. 
Yeah, so... And, and, and I think uh, some, uh, Shattered Memories also did that, where even common enemies you couldn't attack, it was more or less getting away from them or hiding from them until they passed. And I think Alien, uh, the recent one, did something similar, but you could eventually take them out. It's just that mm-hmm. most of the... Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's another way to kind of build that suspense. One, you never know when it's going to show up. I mean, eventually you'll figure it out if you replay the game. Yeah. But... I mean, that's anything with horror. Like you, you know the jump scares after a while. Yeah. That, that, that's actually an inherent problem horror probably has, that it's never quite as good the second time. Yeah. And <laughs> which, is, which is another thing we could probably talk about another time, but it's maybe also concerns for movies, that if you're a horror fan, you always chase that new horror high. Yeah, the problem with that, though, is like... I like horror as a genre, but nine out of ten movies are crap. Exactly, but you still watch them because you hope maybe, maybe there's at least one of those moments in there <laughs> that give you that horror high. <laughs> yeah, and then the problem is you can't do it. I mean, like honestly, I've done. I've, I at this point I've actually done 32 horror films this month, um, not just this year, this month, and I think something like 22 of them are new. But most of them I couldn't recommend. <laughs> so it's like, it's 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 this give and take where like, I, I it, it, there's a ton of especially with Netflix because they have all the crap and they have like none of the stuff you want to watch. So it's always like let me find something, but it's always such a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Um, horror video games I find are a bit more consistent, and I think just because so much of it is about control, no, that it's easier for you to. Okay, it's harder to make a terrible, terrible horror game that you can make horror games that aren't scary and that defeats the purpose. Yeah. But almost all the ones we talked about are actually really good. And I guess because they're not the popular genre, there aren't a ton of them being made. So when you make them, you have to make sure they're good. Yeah, they, they, a lot of... We have... Video games are lucky in that sense that they have a lot of actually quality horror titles. And, and, and while maybe we don't see as many horror video games from the big budget sector, we still get quite a few from either smaller studios or from the indie side right now. Yeah. And, and and still getting quality titles. I mean, I just recently reviewed Soma for the side, and and that's a really quality title. And I and I think it's one of the, and this is this is true of cinema as well. It's one of those genres that most times yes is more. So it actually works in their favor to have a smaller budget because mm. you don't want it to be big and bombastic and over the top. You want it focused. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you don't, like, I mean, you know, like one of the big transitions into gaming right now is open world everything. Like an open world horror game could work, but it's going to take really delicate hands to make it enjoyable. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I played this year Dying Light, right? Which technically is a horror game because there are zombies in it. Uh, but do you feel much horror in, in that game when you're in the open world? Not really, because most of the time you can just run away or climb over them stuff like that, and you get super powerful, because what do open world games do? They give you lots of abilities and that you get stronger and stuff. So the only real moments in which that game actually tries to really create horrors at night, when they uh, like bring in way stronger enemies, but even those at some points turn it into just trivial, trivial enemies, 
or they do it basically in those story beat moments in which they trigger a cutscene or uh, funny enough they take away all your all your equipment from you at one moment in a story mission so you have to fend off enemies I don't know with a stick and stuff so um yeah I, I think doing doing it open world at, at least horror consistently is really hard yeah so I am curious to see what comes of it. I mean, we have stuff... I mean, Until Dawn has done really well. We have a review up there, which was really positive for that game. I also I really think, like that. Yeah, I think that's going to be a game that's going to, I hope, influence horror in gaming for a while to come. We just had Fatal Frame come out on the Wii U. Uh, we didn't talk about that one. That takes It, it takes away control and just in what you can do. Mm. Um, so much of it is... This is Fatal... No, Fatal... What is the... Fr- is Fatal Frame the franchise that you have to go through the camera? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, seeing everything through a camera... It, it, it makes your control in that you you have to experience the world through another means. Yeah. And, it's and also you, interesting that, that it not only... It, it takes control away from you, but it also gives you, gives you different control at the same time. Which is also an interesting concept, because technically the, the, the camera control is what gives you the power to actually defeat enemies, but at the same time, like I say, you lose control because I'm pretty sure you can no longer move around once you're in camera mode. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Dying Night, Soma. It's been a good year for horror and gaming, and I yeah. think part of that is because we've started to embrace the indie mentality, and like I said, it's a, it's a genre that yes, it's more, and it works out for them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, is there anything you want to say before we wrap up for this week? Not really. Really looking forward to Halloween, to be honest. I will probably not spend it with video games, but lots of horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I will be spending it in... It's, it's, it's weird. Me and my friends have spent most of the summer trying to come up with a costume. We finally agreed on a costume. And then I asked them, what are we doing? And they're like, we don't know. So I'll figure that out over the week. But they're coming down to New York City. There's more than enough bars. I don't know if they want to go to the Halloween Parade or anything like that. Um, but there's that. Um, and I, always, I will probably mm. be drinking to a bad horror film on Friday night. Um, and there's also, I also, yeah. have a work, also have a work Halloween party, which is, yeah, I'm doing two costumes this year because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> but aside from that... Um, we will be back next week, hopefully with more people, uh, because uh, Sony has a show this week. Uh, there's the Paris, the Paris Game Show. Right. I, co- I almost forgot. Yes. <laughs> and Sony will be live streaming that. And I think that's either Monday or Tuesday, depending on where you are. Mm. And Nintendo, and I assume Sony too, are expected to release their financial statements this week. And word on the street is this is when we're most likely to hear about Nintendo's first mobile game. Hmm. That's cool. So, that, that's a thing. And, of course, uh, big games. Assassin's Creed Syndication. Syndicate just came out last week. Syndication. <laughs> I, I think that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> it is, what is it? Somebody said it's like the 19th game in the franchise? I don't know. There have been a lot. <laughs> yeah, somebody... I think it was uh, Jason... No, it was either him or Chris Collier who was like, this is the 19th Assassin's Creed game since Final Fantasy XV was announced. It's possible because they're not just the mainline titles, they're the handheld games, they're the mobile games, they're uh, Xbox Live Arcade titles, and 
Ah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, this bit, this week's big release is Halo 5 Guardians. Um, WWE 2K16. You will play, I guess, Halo 5? Uh, yes, Halo 5. Okay. Halo is one of those franchises that I buy because there are certain friends that I have. It's one of the few games we can actually play together, so I buy it out of... I mean, I, I enjoy the Halo games. They're fun, but at this point, I also buy it because I know a lot of my friends will, too. Mm. It's not like I care about the story. Also, <laughs> or, surprisingly enough, I will probably pick up the new Call of Duty. That's not out this week, though, is it? No, that's actually November 6th. So the week after, yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in it. Mostly because I actually like the zombies mode. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, was it you? Somebody tweeted like, it's sad when your side mission is a side mode looks more interesting than your main campaign. Yeah, but uh. although I'm actually interested in the main campaign this time as well, because like Halo, it's four-player co-op. Yeah, um, I imagine, I will double-check with him, I imagine Anthony probably has Triforce Heroes. Mm-hmm. That just came out this Friday. It seems like everybody's playing around with release dates this year, because uh, Assassin's Creed and Tri- I mean, M- Nintendo does Friday mostly, but Assassin's Creed was this Friday, this past Friday. Um, Darksiders 2 Definitive Edition, Death Definitive Edition, comes out next Friday. Uh, I believe Black Ops, is actually, Black Ops 3 is a Friday. Uh, yeah, it is. It's actually, yeah, for some reason, they decided to make the worldwide release of Friday this time around. I don't yes. know why. Usually, I mean, for the last couple of times, was also always it came out on Tuesday in the US and also was Tuesday everywhere else. But this time, I said, "Fuck it, it's Friday everywhere." Well, you see, I mean, I guess, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Because to me, I look at it as it's probably like if it wasn't the Friday, it'd be the week after. Where some people would probably say, if it's Friday, if it's Friday, it probably would have been that Tuesday of. And to me, I think Friday makes more sense as far as like I got a new game, I can spend the weekend with it instead of like. The thing is, though, for something that's probably going to be played online quite a bit, sometimes it's better when it starts earlier in the week because okay, it's not server loads. Yeah. And maybe the, the early rush, you know, gets out. It, it, it trickles out through the week, basically. Yeah, I can, I can see it either way, but I, I mean, in general, I think... Although, Friday's let's be honest, I think the Call of Duty games kind of never had real big trouble with handling the load. I don't, no, they at least I don't remember. I don't... I, don't, I mean, outside of anything that was network-wide, like when Xbox Live went down or PSN, yeah. I don't think I, I can recall like a Call of Duty not having the servers. And at this point, I mean, as a, a Activision has to know how well the games sell. Yeah. They always put press releases and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, now we have a couple of big releases coming. Like I said, Assassin's Creed Syndicate this week. Then we get Call of Duty Black Ops. The week after that, we get Fallout 4. And I yeah. think the week after that is Star Wars Battlefront time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's a few games. I mean, because I think, you know, there's not, you know, smaller games, but Mario Tennis is also out there and then. Um, I don't, I'll probably pick that up. Um, and I'm sure there are probably, oh, and I think Shovel Knight, uh, arc, uh, not arcade, retail editions out sometime then, mm. too. So, yeah, there's a lot of... And, I mean, that's not even counting December, where you still have Tomb Raider, uh, Just Cause 3. Oh, yeah, Just and, Cause 3, yeah. And Xenoblade Chronicle X coming out. Jeez, yeah, true. So, this year's not and very... And Persona of Always. Persona Always. <laughs> no, Persona Always. 
Oh, they just said, they just said yeah, persona always because everybody <laughs> that was twenty fifteen. That was twenty fifteen. Oh, and there go Marvel Avengers. No, that's been delayed into next year, right? I don't actually remember. Okay. But yeah, it's 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 that time things are picking up. We'll have you know, we have a review of until dawn. You did a review of Soma and the Tyus Principle. Um the, you know, Trent does his uh, date night gaming now, so we have some type of let's play on the site. Um, yeah, and I expect that we'll try as best as possible to cover more games as we as we can. Um, I don't know. I don't. I could be. I don't know of any big indie game that's set to come out anytime soon. Rebel Galaxy is what I'm looking forward to. I mean, the PC version just came out, but I'm waiting on the PS4 release. That's probably something I'm looking for to review, but we have to talk about that after the podcast. Yeah, but yes, there is, like I said, there are, there's a Paris Game Show, there's Nintendo and Sony's financials, Microsoft just did theirs, it was kind of, um, whole. like, financial statements on their own aren't that interesting. <laughs> we nah. did well, we didn't do well, but it's more, like I said, it's more in this sense that people expect that Nintendo will reveal their mobile game here, just because it is really the last time they get to communicate with people for the rest of the year, because they are not doing Nintendo Directs anymore, it seems. Mm. So, at least yeah. not for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and you know who knows what what magic lies beneath. Maybe they'll introduce new Star Wars characters, like this Princess Leia character and Han Solo, who I've never heard of before, <laughs> and make a big deal about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We will catch you next week.